So let's give a warm welcome as she comes today to Glenda Mullman. Oh, excuse me, one important thing I forgot. Many of you know, but a lot of you wouldn't. Uh, their daughter, Angie, is married to Jason Prosser from our church. And uh, they are missionaries in Cambodia. They've been there for 13 years. And her son, Ben, and his wife, Rebecca, and family are pastoring in Baltimore, Maryland. I just thought I'd throw that out, too. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I'm so grateful for uh, Pastors Bob and Joanne and Pastors Jason and Mary. They are exceptional, you know, and this congregation has always been warm and friendly and responsive, so just don't disappoint me, you know. Anyway, but <laughs> anyway, Mary warned me ahead of time about the crack in the floor just to wear my wide-angled shoes, so my, my uh, narrow heels look better, but, you know, anyway, <laughs> you know, I heard uh, from a pastor's wife in Brazil, you know, it was, it was uh, shoes, women's shoes that were on the tree in the garden. <laughs> you know, I fully believe that. <laughs> Forget about that fruit, it was shoes. <laughs> anyway, and also, as Pastor Joanne mentioned, uh, Wendy Prosser and I share grandchildren, so, you know, that's a blessing. And I just have to say, this house knows how to raise kids, because I have an amazing son-in-law. So uh, if you've met him, uh, you don't have to be around him very long before you know he's amazing. You know, and as a mother with grown children and grandchildren, you're grateful for that, you know, when you get a good one. Anyway, enough tears, right? <laughs> so this morning I want to talk to you about going from stress to strength. Any of you have any stress in your life? And I am so grateful for Clara Fama. She just uh, has taken over my PowerPoint and done an amazing job. <laughs> Thank you, Clara. And uh, Bonnie Barber, I don't know if she's here this morning or not, but she's been a phenomenal communicator. I am so grateful. I've done many women's conferences. <laughs> They're not all this well-planned. I just want you to know, you have a blessing here. Uh, and, you know, I am, Christine, where did you go? Where are you? This painting is amazing. So anointed. Uh, I was, uh, as you were painting, I thought, wow, I'm glad she's painting a young girl because, you know, otherwise, you know, that could choke you, you know, upside down. You know? And then when she turned her over, I thought, oh, they'd be out of the picture. I mean, that's all there is to it. So, but Christine, you know what I love most about this anointed painting is that somehow, and it must be the anointing, somehow you've made her to look like uh, every culture, every ethnicity into one. And I think that's much how Eve looked uh, in the garden. I think it's absolutely stunning. So I don't know, is somebody going to win that? Yeah, so that's amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, sometimes uh, in the... <laughs> It's amazing. It's a gift from God that Christine has. Uh, sometimes the, um, when I'm in a, a service, I want to be careful how I say this, but the Holy Spirit will show me some things. And I believe that there's a woman here who's been struggling with uh, barrenness, and uh, the Lord is going to give you a baby within 18 months. Um, I don't know who it is. And then there's another woman who's been struggling with your business, and within the next month, the Lord's going to give you a marketing strategy and show you how to do it, how to make it happen, and then it's going to begin to flourish. It's going to take over, take off in a new way. The prosperity is yours. So would you mind if I stop and pray for those two things? Father, I pray right now for the barren womb. You see the desire. And you see the plan, Lord God. And I pray for fruitfulness to be released within the next year, year and a half, Lord Jesus. And the testimony will be that it was I received the word from the Lord. And blessed is my womb, my soul, and I have a child. And I pray, Lord, for this businesswoman. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a home business or another business. I, I can see you uh, at the computer. Anyway, I pray for those marketing strategies to be released uh, in her thoughts, uh, in her dreams, 
in her uh, visions, her thoughts in the daytime. I pray for the marketing strategy to be released. You know she has a good product, Lord, because you gave her the idea for the product. And I pray for a release of the marketing strategy, Lord God, that it would come about now with success. Now, Father, we pray for these moments that we have in time, this time right here. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you will come and that your presence will be among us Lord God, and that you will speak to each one of us about how to go from stress to strength. Lord, you understand uh, better than anyone because you are the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. And Lord, uh, you know the stress that we face in the 21st century. You see us. You know us. And you see the things that we face. You see the things from our past that haunt us. And you see the things in our future that we fear. And you see our todays. And so, Lord, show us. Show us how to go from stress to strength. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, stress can be a, you know, a busy day. Uh, and then, you know, that you have planned and then your car doesn't run. Right? You know, or it can be, you know, you save just enough money for that new pair of shoes, and then your child comes home from school, and they need a new pair of shoes, and there it goes. You know, uh, it can be a child arrested for drug abuse. Uh, it can be an unfaithful husband. It can be a barren womb. You know, uh, it, it can be a variety of things. Stress comes to us in a variety of ways. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, you may not be familiar with this uh, passage that I'm going to read to you. Uh, but uh, just to show you how God knows about stress. Uh, in the book of James, and those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you would know this. In the book of James, uh, chapter 1, it says, Consider it... <laughs> Are right, you ready for a challenge? <laughs> Those of you who are familiar, you know. Consider it what, ladies? Pure joy. <laughs> Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, as though one kind is not enough, right? <laughs> yeah, many kinds. Uh, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom in how to handle this stress, he should ask God, who gives generously, gives generous wisdom to us, to all without finding fault. God doesn't hold us accountable and say, why can't you get your act together? He doesn't do that to us. And that wisdom will be given to us. But when he asks, he must believe, okay, God, you've given me the wisdom. I'm going to step out in faith now. And I'm going to act it out. And you must not doubt. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. How many of you have ever had to persevere? You've had to keep going forward. Because when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life. Ladies, there are rewards for you for standing strong through stress. I did a study once just on rewards. There's earthly rewards. There's heavenly rewards. We don't work to receive the re rewards, but I'll just tell you, they're coming. They're on the way, okay? Because God has promised those to those that he loves. Well, James tells us about stress and about trials, trials that they're certain to come. And I, I think that, um, you know, it's, he says when they come. He doesn't say if they come. <laughs> So uh, when they come, you know, I think it is helpful if we understand a bit about how our brains function and how they were created to function. And I read a book a couple years ago called uh, Women Are Like Spaghetti and Men Are Like Waffles. How many of you have ever read that book? A few of you have. So you know what I'm talking about. And so do we have that picture up on the PowerPoint? So uh, if we understand that our brain is kind of like pasta, you know, it's, it's like you can't touch one strand of spaghetti, you know, without the whole pile being affected, right? 
And so it's kind of like this, you know, uh, you get up late, and so then your kids are late to school, and then you think, oh, no, my kids are late to school, so now the teacher's going to disapprove, and if the teacher disapproves, then the kid isn't going to like school anymore because they don't want to sit under disapproval. And if they don't like school anymore, then they're going to drop out, and if they drop out, then they're going to end up living on the streets, and then they're going to be, you know, into drugs, and then they're going to get picked up by the police, and then, and then I'm going to lose my job because I was late to work too, and then I'm going to be on the streets, and then what am I going to do, <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's a spaghetti brain, you know? And if it's not spaghetti, the other picture there is pickup sticks. You know, if you've ever played pickup sticks, you know, it doesn't take much to pull one out and the whole pile goes down, right? Uh, You know, (laughs) stress will come, but it's how we process the stress that determines if we can turn it into strength, you know? And the whole thing with men are like waffles, It's so true. You know, if you know a waffle, it's like all these little squares, right? They seem to have this ability. And if you're a more linear thinker, that's about one-third of women. You may be more like a waffle than like pasta. Maybe you married a pasta-minded husband. But anyway, (laughs) most men are like waffles, and they can jump from one little bit of stress to the next. And they don't even think about this one back here. You know, they just... Like this summer, and honestly, this is not an exaggeration. I just recounted in my mind last night. We had nine to ten things break down in our house this summer. You know, and then then we were returning from youth camp, and uh, uh, two deer hit our car. So that was then, okay, that that one, you know, it's like, really, Lord, really? Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, it was everything from a light switch to the washer and then the dryer and then the, I mean, I could go on, right? But we don't need to go on about that. But, but Ken was, my husband was just able to handle it. He just kept repairing this, repairing that, or we take it to get repaired, you know, the laptop, the this, the that. And I'm like, I'm so done with this. You know, I am, my pasta has turned to mush, to overcooked pasta, you know. And he's like, you know, but I'll tell you something else about men. You know this if you're married. You know, they're also like bingo cards, and sex is the free space in, in the middle. <laughs> you know. Anyway, all right. <laughs> so James tells us that when stress comes, when stress comes, not if stress comes, but when stress comes, all right? So, and then stress can come suddenly, you know? Like, we didn't plan on deer hitting us. <laughs> they were okay. They ran off, but, you know, we're, you know, almost $1,000 later <laughs> getting the car fixed. You know, how do you tell the car person, I didn't do this. The deer hit me. I didn't hit the deer. Anyway, uh, so it can come suddenly, you know? It says when you fall into temptations, Have you ever had it come suddenly to you? Uh, For those of you who know our daughter, Angie, uh, who's a worship pastor in Cambodia, and again, her amazing husband, Jason, and their elders in the church there now. Uh, Anyway, when uh, Angie's and Jason's firstborn was three years old, and she was nursing her second baby, uh, she got bit by a certain kind of mosquito in Cambodia and contracted dengue fever. And uh, in dengue fever, you kind of live or die within about a 48-hour period, and there's nothing they can do uh, for you. And it's, uh, what it does is it causes the blood to not coagulate, uh, and so you just bleed out internally. And so God bless Jason. He was carrying her. She was so weak. He was carrying her literally, you know, up the stairs to their bedroom, then decided they needed to go to the hospital in uh, Thailand. And so, you know, they call, and Angie says, Mom, I need you to come. You know, I need you to take care of Caleb. Caleb knows you. You know, he's only three. He knows you, Mom. You have to come. Because they didn't go to Cambodia until Caleb was about one and a half. Anyway... So, you know, from Portland to Cambodia, you're looking at a, you know, 40-hour journey. And so the whole time I'm thinking, when I arrive, will she be dead? Or will she be alive? This has come suddenly to me, Lord. How do I process this? You know, and I'm so grateful. What they do when they put them in the hospital is all they can do is hook them up to an IV to get fluids in their body. And literally, when she pulled the sheet back to show me her legs... 
they were as red orange as these beautiful ladies here in their jackets and shirts. That's how her legs were, uh, because the blood wasn't coagulating. Uh, anyway, but I'm thankful she's alive, you know, and uh, all is well. And I'm cursing the mosquitoes in Cambodia on a regular basis in my devotions. You cursed mosquitoes. I know you came with the fall. You know, anyway, it says when it comes suddenly. And then James goes on to tell us he has the audacity. No, not the audacity. He has the wisdom to warn us that they come in several ways. (laughs) Don't you feel that way sometimes? Like, you have the audacity. Anyway, they come in several ways. He says it's various trials. Well, here's a little video of why moms, young moms, never get anything done. And maybe you've experienced this. And you know, then your husband comes home and says, what have you been doing all day? (laughs) Uh, And then if you're a Grammy, that's my title, Grammy, if you're a grandmother, a nana, whatever they call you, uh, maybe it looks like this some days. Tell me what you just said. I I like you when you give me cookies. You like me when, when I give you cookies, but you don't like me all the time? Yeah, no. Why? Well, I like you. Only love you. Again, get cookies from me. Oh, so only when I give you cookies do you like me? Yeah. Oh, okay. I love you. I I I love you too, but uh, I I like you all the time. (laughs) Okay. Thanks. How many of you are the best grandmothers in the house? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They love you too, but they don't like you all the time. (laughs) Oh, uh, stress comes to us in a variety of kinds of ways. But you know what? Sometimes stress is unexpected guests, right? You finally got yourself in the mood to be romantic, and then some guests show up at the door. <laughs> anyway, that's a stress for your husband. Anyway, <laughs> I was told a parable years ago uh, about, now this is a parable, uh, not a true story, but who knows. Anyway, a parable of uh, two angels who came to earth, and, and the whole, um, the big idea behind them, the whole reason, was that the old angel was supposed to mentor and coach and teach the young angel. And so they came to earth, and they walked, and they walked, and they talked, and they talked. And then in the evening, they came upon a, um, a wealthy farmer's home. And they asked if they could spend the night. Unexpected guests, the, wealth, the wealthy farmer offered him to come in, and to, uh, they, they put them uh, in their, their basement downstairs. And the, the young angel's observing, right? He's learning. And so he observed that in the night the old angel actually repaired a a hole in the wall and smoothed over the wall and made it look so nice. You know, and then the next morning they got up and they thanked the wealthy farmer and his wife for letting them spend the night. And uh, they went on their way. 
And then they walked and they walked and they walked. And as they came close to the end of their day, then they came upon a poor farmer's house. And uh, they asked if they, they knocked on the door and asked if they could spend the night there. And the poor farmer and, the, and his wife welcomed them in and fed them a meal and gave them their only bed to sleep in. And they went out and slept in the barn. And then um, the next morning, uh, when they got up, the poor farmer's wife had breakfast cooked for them, and they sat at they were while they were sitting at the breakfast table having breakfast. Uh, the the poor farmer came into the house, all dejected, and he said to his wife, "Our only milk cow died in the night," and he was so down. And so they thanked the poor farmer and his wife for hosting them for the night. And then they walked on down the road. And after walking for a couple of hours, several miles down the road, the young angel asked the old angel, I don't understand. What's up? You know, we stop at the wealthy farmer's home, and all they do is give us a room in the basement and no food, and, and you fix a hole in their wall. And the old angel said, oh, things are never as they seem. And he said, we, but we came, we came to the poor farmer's house, and they had one milk cow, and you let their only milk cow die in the night. I don't understand. And he said, oh, things are not always as they seem. That would have been very stressful to the poor farmer and his wife. And so he said, well, explain it to me. He said, well, when we came to the wealthy farmer's house, he said, I noticed in the hole in the wall there was a bag of gold. And so I sealed the wall shut in such a way they'll never find that bag of gold again. And then when we came to the poor farmer's wife, the death angel came to me in the night and asked me for the wife, and I gave him the milk cow instead. Things are not always as they seem. You know, we don't always understand why trials come to us in such a variety of ways. And sometimes it's nine or ten things breaking down all in within two months of a time. Sometimes it's not only a you know, cancer diagnosis, it's something else. Sometimes it's not only a barren womb, it's a, a broken marriage. You know, it just seems like, God, where are you? It comes to us in a variety of kinds of ways. You know, but a faith attitude is what releases to us heaven's perspective. It's a, a faith attitude that says, you know, yet will I believe. Yet will I believe. James says, consider it pure joy whenever uh, you face trials. The word trials there in the original language in the Greek means a testing that is directed toward an end. So count it pure joy because this trial has an end. You may not be able to see it. It may look unending and overwhelming, but it does have an end. And James goes on and he says, the testing of your faith produces patience. Really, in the English language, that word patience is far too passive. In the Greek language, what the word patience there means, the testing of your faith produces patience, patience means the ability to turn them into greatness and glory. The testing of your faith is so that you might grab hold of it and turn it into something great, to turn it into something glorious. Uh, and I know last year you had uh, Bo Stern come and speak with you about her husband's ALS. And, uh, and if you weren't here last year, uh, get that recording and listen to it. Your life will be changed forever. And we're close to them. And Ken used to be golf buddies with her husband, my husband did. And uh, uh, she really turned that into greatness and into glory. Uh, this word also means uh, the testing of your faith that will produce patience. Patience in the Greek also means uh, a quality that makes a person not simply to suffer, but the ability to vanquish them. We have the power to vanquish them and to almost to say, really, is that all you've got? 
you know, now I, I don't say that foolishly, but it's like, I know that if God is for me, he's going to be my helper. The Bible says that his Holy Spirit will come and be, and the, and the Greek word is the parakletos, means the one who comes and lays alongside. You know, if you need someone to come and comfort you in the test, the stress, and the trial, when you are tired of asking for explanation, you just want the comfort. I'll tell you this if you don't know him. Jesus is your guy. The Lord is your guy. He will come, and he will just lay right beside you in bed, and he'll give you the comfort that you're, you're asking for. We should have faith. But that doesn't mean that we can't still cry out. Psalm 4.1 says, answer me when I call to you. Give me relief. So if that's your prayer, you're praying according to Psalm 4.1. Psalm 18.6 says, I cried to my God for help. So if that's you, you're right in line with the Bible. Psalm 118 verses 5 to 9 says, he answered me by setting me free. Sometimes we have just been set free from it. Maybe the job that you're on, you know, don't see it maybe as they let you go. See it perhaps as God set you free. Because we don't always see it the way that the Lord sees it, you know. Psalm 120 and verse 1 says, I called on the Lord in my distress in the midst of my piling up stresses, I called to him, and he answered me. I want to share with you a story now that's in the Bible, and it's uh, found in Luke 8, but I'll introduce it the way, uh, and in the book of Luke, Luke is a medical doctor, uh, and he travels quite often with Jesus and his disciples, and uh, so in the book of Luke, uh, he gives lots of details, just like a doctor cares very much about details. And so anyway, Luke tells us that Jesus had been preaching from village to village, and the people were just swarming to him. And then he decided that he and his disciples should get on a boat and should go across the lake, and they should go to the land of the Gerasenes, uh, which they did. And on the way over, uh, they ran into a storm, or a storm ran into them, and Jesus does the, you know, he's asleep in the boat, and the master, don't you care? And he's, peace be still. And his disciples are like, whoa, who is this? They've been traveling with him. They've been hearing some good sermons, but they're, they've never seen him calm a storm. And so many believe that the reason that storm came up on the lake was indicative of the storm that was going to meet them on the beach, that there was some uh, demonic power involved in that. So they get to the other beach in the land of the Gerasenes, and they meet a man who had been uh, he was just demon-possessed. They cast the demons out of him. They get back on the boat, and they come to the other side. So I'm not going to talk about those stories more than that. They come back to the other side, and in Luke 8, 40, it says, the, the multitude, the crowd welcomed him back. Now, I want you to imagine uh, with me, uh, and it would have been a crowd, maybe this size, maybe more, a multitude of people coming back. And I want you to see with me, out of one corner comes a father, who is filled with distress, and out of another corner comes a woman who is filled with distress. Uh, The woman had been dying for 12 years and was seeking life. The father was coming on behalf of his daughter, who was now uh, nearly comatose, and before he finishes here, she dies, and he's coming because she has lived for 12 years and is dying. They come. They're both coming. They're both determined because they've heard that Jesus is a healer. They've heard that Jesus is a good man. They've heard that Jesus has wisdom. They've heard, and, and Jairus, the father, he was a pastor, but he was, cared more about being a loving father than he did about his next sermon. He, sometimes we are so numbed uh, to our issues The girl didn't even know about her distress anymore. She was wiped out. She was numb to it. She needed somebody to advocate for her. And her father was her advocate. The woman, all she could see was her stress. 
She had been bleeding for 12 years, which would have meant in her culture and time and season that she would have been considered unclean. She couldn't go to church. She could go to the market and get food, but people wouldn't have been around her. People would have been saying things to her like, why aren't you healed? What's wrong with you? You keep having this issue. She was the woman with the issue. And yet she's trying to make her way to Jesus. She is filled with stress and distress. But so is the Father. Here they are. Who's going to make it first? It's like you have a heavenly view. You're looking down. Who's going to make it to Jesus first? And whoever makes it first, will he have anything left for them? Well, the woman makes it first. But the woman doesn't reach for the hand that offers healing to other people. She doesn't even reach to his face to receive a word because he could speak a word and people would be healed. She doesn't reach for any of that. She reaches for the hem of his garment. Now, rabbis in that day had four tassels around the hem of their garment, and that represented the law, the covenant law of God, uh, and it represented the name of God and everything that was represented in the name, provider, healer, peace, you know, all everything that was represented. So she's reaching, just give me the crumbs from the master's table. I just want to touch the hem. I don't even have to touch his hand. I just want to touch the him and she's reaching for everything that is represented in his name i need peace for my stress i need healing for my body and she touches the hem and booyah <laughs> she's healed she's healed instantly and you can imagine the father no what's left and as though that's not enough Somebody shows up from his household and says, don't bother the master. She's already dead. And Jesus just turns to him and he says, don't worry about it. I've got this. Don't worry about it. You know, sometimes we have to put the negative voices away and walk with the one who has the positive word of faith. So Jesus goes on to his house trusting that his heavenly father would give him the virtue that he needed because he's going into a very stressful situation they get to the house and the professional mourners are already there they're out there they would have been throwing dust in the air and they would have been wailing and you know and jesus says put them out of the house this girl is not dead she's alive put them out I'm just saying to you in practical wisdom, sometimes we need to put toxic people out. Not in a mean way, you know. Not in a mean or a rude way, but sometimes we just need to say, you know, (laughs) I'm sorry, I just can't hear you right now. In a kind way. But we need to get negative, toxic people. Jesus did it. He says, put them out of the house. Can you imagine You're the advocate. You're the father. There's your daughter lying on the bed. And Jesus goes in and raises her from the dead. This is our Jesus. This is the one who can bring strength to your stress. The woman knew where to reach, just the hem of his garment. The father knew to follow him, even in the midst of people saying no. Just reach. You know, again, if you've come to the end of your rope and stress has piled up too much and you are reaching for strength to be able to make it even tomorrow or even Monday to go back to work one more day because maybe you're surrounded by toxic negative people and you just need a little more grace, you need a little more strength. It is in, I can promise you, it is in Jesus Christ that you will find that strength. Well, Let's go on and talk about some practical things. Let's get practical. When stress slides into crisis mode, that, when does that happen? Well, sometimes it happens when obstacles feel overwhelming. We have that? When obstacles feel overwhelming, maybe uh, the loss of a spouse or the loss of a job or when obstacles feel unending. And if you've ever had hormonal issues, it can feel like this is never going to end. 
this is never going to end. Uh, I can remember when I first started experiencing PMS, and it's like I had light sensitivity, noise sensitivity, you know, and it's, it, was, it was overwhelming, you know. I used to be a joyful person, and now I'm crying all the time. What's that all about, you know? <laughs> so, you know, that can feel like, Okay, every month, here it comes again. I get like one good week out of the month, and then I ovulate, and here we go again, you know? <laughs> and then when that gets all better, then, you know, well, then menopause. <laughs> You're like, really, God? Okay. All right, you made this, yeah. Or maybe it's unending like through do- divorce and separation. You know, it's like, nope. You know, we fathered these, and we parented these kids together, and so... This person is still in my life. Or obstacles that come at a vulnerable time. Maybe holidays. Uh, maybe at the loss of a pet or the loss of a family member, something else shows up. Your car gets hit by a deer, you know. Uh, maybe it's a situation that's a sudden shock. You know, a car accident, a, a negative health diagnosis that you weren't planning. Maybe it's a new stress, one that you've never faced before, one that you never planned to face. That was never in my family history. I never thought I'd have to face that. And then here I am. Here I am. We need to recognize uh, something that helps us is to recognize what our stress reactions are. So if you're trying to figure out, am I under stress this morning? Is this woman just putting stress on me? I'm not trying to. But, uh, you know, if you tend to procrastinate something that normally you would do, maybe it's the stress level has gone up. If you feel like giving up or feel like giving in, if you try to joke your way out of it, you get nervous, you withdraw physically, you withdraw emotionally, if you start talking faster, (laughs) if you laugh nervously, you bite your fingernails, you get angry or hangry, <laughs> you become resentful, you get hostile, physically violent, you're starting to throw things, you know, you just stop functioning well. Maybe there's too many stress points and you need to stop and evaluate. So, okay, so here's a few practical tips. Okay, if I get practical? Okay, a few practical tips. First one, organize the mess and you'll organize the stress. You know, discern what is the most important thing in life to me and then prioritize accordingly. What is it? Is the most important thing getting the laundry done and getting the house in order or is the most important thing playing with my children? Well, maybe the most important thing is uh, making my housework play for my children. (laughs) You know, I'm not saying you don't clean your housework because some of us can't function well unless the house is in order. But sometimes there's creative ways that we can make that happen. You know, I don't function well unless I have some order, but sometimes you just, you can't help it. You just, you have the mess. You know, so if we organize the mess, it'll help to organize the stress. Uh, The secret is priorities. Setting priorities is a foundational tool to handling stress. It kind of puts a stop on the growth of stress uh, in your life. You know, we're, we're three-dimensional beings, right? Spirit, soul, and body. And so what is your highest priority in each of these? You know, what are your spiritual priorities? We have a thing in our church that we, our prayer pastor calls uh, the first 15. So after you get out of bed in the morning, you know, maybe you have your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, whatever. Do you spend the first 15 minutes looking at Facebook or do you spend the first 15 minutes reading the word? You know, what do you do? What, what are your spiritual priorities? And that can be a discipline, you know, because we want to connect with people right away, but maybe, you know, it would be more profitable to connect with God right away. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, what are your emotional priorities? You know, how do you personally recharge? Those of you who are introverts, Uh, Right now, you're like, okay, when I get out of here, I have got to go home and be alone. You know? You're an introvert. You recharge alone. And if you have any guilt put on you about that, take that right off. You know? But if you're an extrovert, you're like, come on, ladies, let's go shopping. Breakfast is over. You know, I recharge with people. You know? So, 
And if you're an introvert, you always want to invite an extrovert to your party, right? You know, because they make the party happen, you know. And you're probably a blend. Like, I'm an introvert, but I know how to put on extrovert garments. Like, you might not have guessed that I was an introvert, but it's like, hmm, got to recharge alone. You know, it just needs some, some alone time. It's like, so, okay. So what are your emotional priorities? Are you going to work some of that into your time? You're like, are you kidding me? I got nine kids. I get no alone time. Well, you do the Susanna Wesley thing. You go into the bathroom, put your apron over your, your head, and you have your alone time. I think she must have been an introvert. I don't know. Anyway, and to think toilets probably didn't smell that good in that day. But anyway, <laughs> what are your physical priorities? I would say to your physical priorities, make sure that they're enjoyable as well as beneficial. Because if you don't enjoy them, you won't keep doing them. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, the second one is discern the root cause of your stress. Discern what's the root cause of my stress right now. And we all have more stress at certain times than we do at other times. So discern the root cause, face it honestly and tenaciously, and then assess your stress. So take an honest inventory of your stress factors. Group your stress into two categories. Is this a one-time stress, like I need to get my car repaired? Or is this an ongoing stress, such as premenstrual stress? You know, or working for a negative, demanding boss? You know, or if you're a boss, having employees that spend more time on Facebook and Instagram than they do on the job? You know, so, you know, is it ongoing? Or is it one time? Okay, so that might help me. And then is your stress harmful to your health? Mm. Okay. Uh, you need to determine that if the stress is affecting your health or your joy or your peace, your sense of well-being, what are you going to do about it? Maybe you need to change a job. Now, I'm not going to say as a Christian believer that you should change your husband but <laughs> or your children. <laughs> Here, I'll have your children. You have mine. <laughs> My daughter is so cute, you know. Uh, it was our son that was the strong-willed one, and uh, Angie was the younger, compliant one. And uh, Angie has the strong-willed children, and our son has the compliant, agreeable children. <laughs> She's like, I am so bitter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. She's probably listening to this recording, <laughs> and I just told you all about it. She has lovely children, <laughs> and she does <laughs> because they feed them and beat them. <laughs> no, you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> I really didn't mean that, so don't call child services division, okay? They're very good parents, <laughs> as are, uh, you know, her, her mother and dad and, and her sister Heather, who is here this morning. <laughs> anyway, okay. So I, but I need to find out, really... Is this affecting my health? Sometimes our toxic friends are affecting our health and we need to cut back on our time spent with them. Uh, sometimes maybe we do need to change a job. Sometimes maybe we do need to set certain boundaries. Uh, and look, if your husband's slapping you around, that's not the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You need to get some help. I'm, just, I'm not trying to be nosy and invasive, but that's not appropriate. That's not what God would want. So anyway, moving on, enough meddling, you know, but is it constantly feel, causing you to feel rushed, like you can never do it quite good enough? Are you making more mistakes than usual, you know? Do you often feel fatigued, you lack initiative, and you just feel unwell all the time? That's kind of your, your thing. I just, I don't feel well. Well, is stress affecting my health? So the next, categorize your stress factors categorize them. What are the stresses in my life that I could change now? What could I change right now? Well, maybe I could get up 15 minutes earlier and I could start my day with some peace, some Bible reading and some meditation on the Lord, you know. Um, what are some stresses that you can work on over time? You know, well, okay, maybe I could walk or maybe... Uh, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. So maybe if my husband's angry, I could uh, begin to use a softer tone or I could, you know, whatever. You can't, you can't always fix an angry person. 
but, you know, asking the Lord what you can do, or God, give me a strategy for this difficult teenager. What would your strategy be? You know, or are the stresses totally out of your control? Like it was for the father, like it was for the woman who was ill and was reaching for the hem of her, uh, his garment. Is it totally out of your control? Then that's when you have to reach, you know, for the hem. So, categorize, you know, what, ask yourself this question. What am I most afraid of? Okay. And what should I focus on one day at a time? What can I focus on one day at a time? I can't fix all of the stress points in my life at the same time, but what can I focus on one day at a time right now? Maybe it's taking a 15-minute walk. Maybe it's something else. You know, I don't know what it will be. Here's a, a quote from Corey Ten Boom. Uh, who was a great woman of God during World War II, she said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. Is that on the PowerPoint? I think that was supposed to be up there. Okay. Did we get the quote up? Nope. Okay. The next one's prayer. Personal prayer effectiveness. The thing about prayer and connecting with God is it's very important, I think, for us to figure out our spiritual temperament. Have you figured out your spiritual temperament? Now, we should include the Bible. We should include prayer, right? But some of you have a temperament where you connect best with God when you're outside. And if you're not outside walking and talking with God at least once a week, you probably feel like you're not connecting with him and your devotions have just become religious. Jesus wants relationship. He doesn't want religion, right? And so some of us best connect with God in an atmosphere of music and worship. So are you doing that at least once a week? Some of us best connect with God uh, maybe in kind of a chapel-like place, you know, uh, even if you're going to the hospital where maybe they have it, you know, a little more quiet, a little chapel-like. Some of you, it's when you're fighting for justice, you feel like you best connect with God. How do you best connect with God? Figure that out. And there's a wonderful book called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And uh, out of that book, I created a little uh, spiritual temperament test. But you can go right in this book and figure it out, how you best connect with God. And that will boost your devotional life. I'm just sure it will. Here's another quote from Mother Teresa. I think we have it. Uh, Prayer is as necessary as the air, as the blood in our bodies, as anything to keep us alive, to keep us alive to the grace of God. Do we have the next one by Corey Ten Boom? She says, the wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world of not being able to do something and enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. So no matter how small your stress is, no matter how big your stress is, it's not too big and it's not too small for our amazing God. Beth Moore says this, there is not a single darkness in your life that God cannot bring his light upon. Isn't that beautiful? Find people to pray for you. Maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking, you know, you're talking a bit of a foreign language to me, even though you're speaking in English. I don't, I don't really know how to connect with God. I don't know how to pray. And maybe you need an advocate who can pray for you and pray with you. Now, they can't pray everything for you. They can't, you know, if you want a relationship with Jesus, that's your own prayer. That's got to be your prayer. But maybe them discipling you even in how to pray or just how to connect with God. Sometimes just listening to how people pray helps to disciple us in how to pray. So get somebody like Jairus, the father of the, of the girl that, that died. You know, he was her advocate. 
Sometimes we need someone to go before. So maybe you're sitting by someone this morning or you know somebody that they really know how to connect with God. So I'm going to ask them, would you pray for me? And then maybe would you pray with me? Then maybe would you teach me how to pray? Be brave. Be brave. And you're going to begin to feel the stress lift off, just like that woman reaching for the hem, just like that girl who didn't even realize she had stress. One, All she could see was stress. The other didn't even realize she had it anymore. But then it lifted off, and she came alive again. Maybe you're feeling dead inside. This is the way. Stress has so piled up on you, you feel numb. You're like the girl. You feel dead inside but somebody is advocating for you. And one day that stress will lift off and you'll come alive in him. Well, what about, okay, another practical tip. Are you still with me? We okay? How about a health evaluation? Uh Uh-oh, see, now pull your toes in. Here we go. A health evaluation. Uh, Joyce Meyer says this, I believe that the greatest gift you can give your family and the world is a healthy you. Yikes. Okay. Pull your toes way in. Diet effects. (laughs) If you're facing a lot of stress, you may need to decrease your caffeine intake. Sorry. (laughs) Caffeine raises the cortisol, which is the stress hormone in your body. Okay? And cortisol can make it difficult for you to handle stress and pressure. All right, so you may need to, in a season of incredible stress, just decrease that coffee. You think it's working for you, but, you know, maybe not as much as you think. Um, Actually, skipping a caffeinated drink can immediately help regulate the hormone and its short-term and long-term effects. Absolutely amazing. What about complex carbs? Well... They take longer to digest, and all carbs prompt the brain uh, with more and releases more serotonin in the body. Serotonin gives you that feeling of everything is going to be all right, you know. (laughs) And so more complex carbs. You're like, okay, so what's that? Well, that's whole grain breads, pastas, old-fashioned oatmeal, those kinds of things. Now, if you're gluten-free, they make gluten-free oatmeal. They make gluten-free bread, I'm just saying. But that won't give you the complex. Anyway, uh, and avoid simple carbs. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, Simple carbs give you that spike in serotonin that like, yay, I'm so happy. Like yesterday, I had moose tracks. Yeah. It's like, "Mm mm-hmm. If you don't know moose tracks, it is the best ice cream ever. See, I see some nods out there. I'm identifying with you, sister. Okay. So uh, they give you a spike and make you feel so good. And then what happens? So you need to uh, cut out the sweets and the sodas and all that if you're under intense stress. You know, now on your happy day, have that pancake with that maple syrup. But on your stress-filled days... You want to eat the ice cream, you'll drive five miles to get the ice cream and then pour that kind of chocolate sauce on it that forms a hard shell on it. You think I know ice cream? I know ice cream. (laughs) Anyway, ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream, right? Okay. Uh, And then oranges. Oranges, of course, are what? Vitamin C, right? Uh, They curb the levels of stress and they strengthen the immune system. Vitamin C, oranges, they are good for you, okay? Spinach, lettuce, other green uh, leafy vegetables, you know, they have magnesium in them, and magnesium helps to reduce stress. We don't eat enough vegetables that have magnesium, you know, and so we're more stress-filled. Fatty fish, like salmon and tuna, can prevent surges in the stress hormones in the cortisol in your body. And they help protect against heart disease and other things. Black tea, 
which is interesting. I love black tea, and it is caffeinated. But my study tells me that after a series of stressful events, black tea uh, actually uh, helps uh, to release, you know, the stress hormone of cortisol. Uh, So it's actually good for you. I mean, it, it helps it. It relieves it. Nuts. How many of you are nut lovers? Okay. You're not allergic? Okay. Nuts, um, they help to lower cholesterol and ease the inflammation, you know, all that kind of thing, which is very good for you and helps to relieve stress. Okay, moving on. That's enough of messing with your diets. No, I didn't say, notice I didn't say how many calories you could have. Okay. Exercise effects. Oh, no, she used another bad word. Uh, (laughs) Exercise effects. Uh, Research that I did just this year, you can say, well, it's American research, not Canadian, might not work here, okay? (laughs) I'm feeling with you, sister, I'm feeling with you, okay? I know the pain. Uh, But they say that uh, uh, this was researched in Iowa State University, says a 12-minute walk improved people's moods. Now, who could do 12 minutes of walking even on your lunch break? You say, I don't have time to exercise. I go to work every day and I come home and I got to feed my kids and bathe my kids and put my kids to bed. And then then there's the husband, you know, and then I got to get up and do it all again the next day. You know, so, but 12 minutes, you can do that on a, on a coffee break at lunch. You can do that at lunch. Uh, what's even better, and this is according to the National Institute of Mental Health, in 2017, says that a 30-minute walk daily can boost your mood and reduce stress. 30 minutes. Can you fit 30 minutes of walking into your lunch hour? I'm just saying. Think about it. Here's another one. Sleep. I know I'm messing with you now. I'm meddling with you. Sleep. We need sleep. How many of the women here say, I need sleep? Okay, the rest of you, wow, we are envious of you. (laughs) We need sleep, right? Uh, On average, adults sleep 6.6 hours a night, okay? Eight out of 10 uh, adults have experienced some kind of sleep-related difficulty. 61% of women wake up feeling unrefreshed and not rested. 57% of women have trouble falling asleep. 50% of women have trouble staying asleep. Want some sleep tips? Well, maybe not. Okay. How are we doing on time? Are we good? Are we okay? Okay. Just block out a schedule if you can. Most of us, uh, 80% of us, need seven to nine hours of sleep. Then there's 10% that can go on less than that and 10% that need more of that. So most of us need seven to nine hours of sleep. So you have to block it out. So maybe that means not staying up as late as you do, but actually going to bed earlier, you know, or whatever uh, to get that. Establish a regular bedtime routine. You know, you do the same thing every night. So it communicates to your body when she does this, she is getting ready to go to sleep. And then when you get horizontal, if you don't fall asleep within five to ten minutes, you get out of bed so as to punish your body, and you read or something like that that still is not going to awaken you, but it's enough to put you to sleep. And so your body gets, and so then you go back to bed. And same thing, if you don't go back to sleep uh, within ten minutes and you get back up, punish your body. So you're communicating to your body. Your body has to come in under your soul. Your soul has to come in under your spirit. So you're telling your body, when I'm horizontal, I'm asleep. And if you don't go to sleep, I'm going to punish you. Right? (laughs) And eventually your body will respond. Because I don't understand all of the science on this, but I've just done some reading on it. Uh, Your body actually records. It records memories. And so it's like, "Mm, okay, she's horizontal. We're going to sleep. You know, we're going to sleep. And so, and then, you know, get yourself some of those opaque window shades that make your room nice and dark, you know, little things like that. Uh, Healthy self-talk and awareness. The Bible says, cast down vain imaginations. Uh, Don't think uh, higher of yourself. You know what was trending in 2017 was uh, happy pics. And I read a whole article about people taking, and you might think this is too much of a selfie generation, 
but actually they did research and they found that uh, college students who would take pictures of themselves smiling or they took pictures of uh, a situation, you know, whatever it was, flowers or an animal or something that they knew would make a friend smile, they took happy pics and then they texted it or emailed it or Instagrammed it or whatever and sent it to somebody uh, every day, it helped them. And I've done this with a couple, I do a lot of counseling, and I've done this actually after I read it with a couple of counselees who were struggling with depression, and it actually helped them. I got them walking and taking happy pics, and then they text them to me, and they're like, gonna have a good day. I'm feeling good about myself, you know. So it's like, okay. What about relationships? Again, stay away from, do the best to avoid negative, toxic people. Do it gently. Do it nicely. I love you, but <laughs> I need to be around some happy people. You know, <laughs> okay. Uh, forgive those who need forgiveness. And if you don't know how to forgive and you feel like I never could forgive, go and get prayer. Ask some of the skilled pastors in your congregation to help walk you through step by step forgiveness. You'll never be free completely. You'll never be energized. The stress will never lift off completely until you forgive. And ladies, I have another one for those of you who are married regarding, in regard to relationships. Sexual behavior and intimacy can affect your estrogen level and release the beta endorphins in the body, which affect your stress levels. And the research shows, and this is research I read decades ago, and then I checked it again in 2017. It's the same. Uh, research shows feast and famine, feast or famine doesn't work. In other words, like, okay, I was romantic for this weekend, six weeks ago, or two months ago. It doesn't work. They say it needs to be consistent, at least weekly, and maybe it's for you, it's daily, whatever. But it releases. You're laughing. I don't know. The young women are not laughing. The old women are laughing. I don't know. I don't understand it. <laughs> I figure once the kids are out of the house, you know, we can. You know, so <laughs> it's not about age. I'm sorry. Moving on. Okay. So, <laughs> but regular sexual activity and intimacy with your husband, not in an unloving relationship, not in an illicit relationship, and not self-stimulation. Interesting, the first book I read on this was secular, and they said self-stimulation does not do for the body and for the stress levels what sexual intimacy and marriage does for the stress level hormones. I'm just saying, okay. Um, reach out to others as well. You live in such a blessed, uh, you attend such a blessed church, so many of you. Are you not blessed by how loving and how positive the pastors in this church are? Yes. They are so loving, so conversational. Ken and I love to be around these pastors because they're just easy to be around. They're so loving, so conversational, and that trickles down into this beautiful congregation. And if you're a guest today, you're a visitor today, I'm telling you, you're in a happy place. You're in a good place with uh, good people who really genuinely do love you. You're here because somebody that brought you loves you, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, the, the church here is amazing. Well, schedule evaluation. We're almost done, ladies. Schedule evaluation. You know, you've got to learn how to... Uh, uh, it's in the Bible, it's called the Sabbath rest principle. You need to find a Sabbath, uh, and that just simply means rest. Now, if you can't take a whole day of rest because you work, you know, six days a week, and then you, you know, you have one to do your laundry, clean your house, and get the groceries and all of that stuff, you know, find a, a segment of hours, you know, that, that that's yours, that's peaceful to you. And I don't think it means you have to sleep. Old school years ago, they used to tell us you, you had to do no work. You had to sleep on that day. 
That's not restful to some people. To some people, it's, I need to go water skiing, or I need to go for a hike, or I need to read a good book, or I need to go to a good movie, or I need to, and that's what energizes me. Figure out what energizes you and make that your Sabbath on a weekly basis. You need that kind of rest. It's a principle. Uh, It's a principle in the Word of God. And look, delegate what can be delegated. If you're a perfectionist, stop it. (laughs) Delegate what can be delegated. So what if they don't do it quite the way you did it? Stop it. You're killing yourself trying to do it the way you did it. Let somebody else make the, um, what is it that you guys make for Canadian Thanksgiving that's so yummy, that dessert, it's got lots of layers? Trifle. Let somebody else make trifle. Maybe it's not perfect, but come on, give yourself a break. Uh, Focus on the positive. Be grateful. You may not be able to change your circumstances, but you can change your attitude. Okay? You may not be able to change your job, change your, how your kids are, or your, your spouse, or even maybe your friends, your family. You don't get to choose your family, right? You only get to choose your friends. You may not be able to choose that. You can't change it, but you can change your attitude about it. A grateful spirit relieves stress, and it releases strength. How do we go from stress to strength? with a grateful spirit. How do I find a grateful spirit? I get close to the creator of the universe. I get close to the one who can, who can fix things. So wisdom in the midst of stress, going from stress to strength, one stop. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. You're a daughter of the king. You're a created being. He loves you. It doesn't matter how many twists and and turns you have in your life, how broken you feel if you're like fractured glass. God loves you. He loves you. So remember who you are. The next one, look. Look to him. Look to him. See his vision. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. And thirdly, listen. Listen. Meditate on him. Hear his voice. How am I going to go from stress to strength? I could go through character after character after character in the Bible who had all kinds of piles of stress. But when they heard the voice of the Lord, it lifted the stress. And they still didn't know where they were going, but they had the ability to put one foot in front of the other and keep going. So listen and then proceed. Proceed. Go where he wants you to go and do what he wants you to do. You know, and yeah, I just want to show you this last little very short uh, video clip and just tell you, you've got this. Ladies, thank you for the privilege. You've got this. Things are not always as they seem. Bless you.